Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. One of the greatest ways to make changes in life is when you hear words or you hear the message or a message is being preached, you must have at the back of your mind a decision to make. Okay, so that impactful messages are not impactful if you don't open your heart to make a decision so that after i hear the word there is something i have decided to do there is something that i am choosing to do praise god and i pray that you know as we hear these words in this season we're going to decide to make in the right decisions amen I want to see you make the right decision about your family, about your finances, about your career, about your spiritual life, about your calling, about the path that he has called you to be in. You know, uh, we've got to make the great and the right decisions. Praise God. Now, there's a difference between intentions and decisions. There's a difference between intentions and decisions. I talk to a lot of people and many people have intentions and not decisions. Intentions are the things that you want to do. Your mind is filled with ideas that you want to achieve. But you haven't made decision and that's why you are still in spot A. But somebody is going to make decisions tonight. Praise the Lord. You know, but to have impact and difference, decisions must be intentional. So, so uh, intention is not the same thing as decision, but powerful decision must be intentional. Powerful decisions must be intentional. Glory to God. Um, meaningful decisions are not made, you know, in a vacuum. You know, decisions don't happen to you just like that. Decisions are guided by several influences, and one of the major influences by which decision is guided by is your culture, your training, um, your beliefs, that's your belief system, your family and your friends. You, you know, uh, uh, so, so it, many of us need to rewire our mental processing so that we can make proper decisions. Glory to God. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some of us have to untrain ourselves in the way we have been trained for the last 10 years uh, so that you can make correct decisions. Because your previous training has by default made you make decisions in certain ways. So I can explain you because of how your mind functions. And how your mind functions is a, is a result of your experiences and the family that raised you, most likely, uh, the people who were around you, your friends. You know, if you walk with the wise, you'll be wise. If you walk with foolish people, you're going to be foolish. So it's important that you surround yourself with a retrain mechanism. You have to untrain and then retrain yourself so that you can make proper decisions. Praise God. What is the basis of your decision? You know, I want to ask you a question. Is the basis of your decision on what people think? Is the basis of your decision on what God thinks or what God is saying? Is the basis of your decision on 
um, what you think is good or what you think is, 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 is right or wrong. But, but you know, right or wrong is subjective. Did you know what I mean? Are you still here? You know, right or wrong is subjective. What is right to him might not be right to me. Why? Because our upbringings are different. So our normals are not the same. But we always don't go based on what is right to you or what is right to me. The major standard is the word of God. So in summary, let the word of God be the highest form of authority in your decision making. Can I say that again? Let the word of God be the highest form of authority in your decision making. It's very key and very critical for you. Alright, because um, there is a way that seemed right unto you. But the end thereof is destruction. So what you think is right may not be right. So that's the reason why you must be conformed to the word. You must have an open mind to allow the word of God train you and retrain you. Glory to God. Praise God. Say this after me. The word of God is my highest authority. Say one more time. The word of God is my highest authority. Alright. Can we take a case study of um, Lot? Of course, we all remember Lot in, in the Bible. Um, let's, let's just take a case study of, of, of Lot in the scriptures. Um, who was Lot? Lot was the nephew of Abraham who sojourned with Abraham. As we see in Genesis chapter 12 verse 5. And, you know, Abraham was a very rich man. But at the same time, his nephew, Lot, became very rich. Like I said, if you walk with the wise, somehow you'll be wise. You know, if you walk with dumb heads, you know, back then in school, the easiest thing to do if you want to pass, just be friends with the most brilliant person. And somehow you just know what to do. Anyway, it doesn't always apply, but... You know, once you, you're just around people who are conscious of doing well in class. You, even, you will pick up habits that will help you academically. Is that correct? Yeah, I used to have a clique of friends. I mean, a clique of friends that, you know, were, were all very... I don't want to talk so I don't seem like I'm blowing my trumpet. Amen. You know... I wasn't the most intelligent in the group, but, but we all knew what we were doing. And everybody was, in a healthy way, competing. You, you know what I mean? We were not striving amongst ourselves, but there was a healthy competition. You know, and that helped us move you know, from average to excellent in class. You know, so if you walk with the wise, you'll be wise. Nephew, the nephew of Abraham, which is Lot, became very rich as well as Abraham did. And you know, because both of them could not combine their wealth together, they had to separate, you know, because there is now misunderstanding between Abraham's people and Lot's people. There is, um, there is disparity going on between his servants. And so Abraham is like, you know what? So there is no quarrel. You choose one side and I will choose another. So Abraham and Lot decide to Do you you, you all see where this is going? Now, you know Lot is about to make a decision. All right? So, 
Genesis chapter 13 verse 10. Let's see that. Genesis chapter 13 verse 10. Can we start from verse 9? Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. Now, this is Abraham talking to Lot. So, Lot is meant to make a decision on where to go. Now, next verse. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan. I hope you know when when the Bible talks about a plain, that's a good land for agriculture. It's a good land for grazing. Um, I mean, it's easy to do irrigation when there is when it's a plain, but it's difficult to have agriculture if it's a mountainous area or if it's a valley. You can hardly do agriculture. And in the time, or at that time, um, the most um, prominent way of business or wealth making is livestock. So you need a very good land to feed your livestock. And grass will grow easily on um plain grounds and your livestock will feed easily on plain grounds so uh, the bible says lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the lord destroyed sodom and gomorrah that's in brackets but he didn't know this part like the garden of the lord i'm sure he must have heard about the garden of eden so when he saw the, the, the the plains he just remembered this is like the Garden of Eden. Like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zohar. Next verse. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain. Somebody say all the plain. <laughs> he chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east. And they separated from each other. Next verse. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. And Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. Now, there is no need talking about the whole story. You all know the whole story. You know what happened at the end of the day when God came and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So eventually, um, Lot's choice was not really a good choice. Is that correct? Yeah, because there were many consequences of Lot's decision so that even whilst the choice seemed to be the best thing in his eyes at the time, there was a problem with what he chose. That if, if probably he had uh, the leading of the Spirit to tell him what will happen in the future, he will probably not choose that plane that seems to be very good. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, so, um, as a result of Lot's choice, one of the things that he encountered was war. <laughs> there was war um, that later happened on that plane. That's in Genesis 14.11. And there was also kidnapping. There was kidnapping that took place much later in the future from his choice. There was oppression and torment by the citizens of Sodom. Second Peter 2 verse 7 to 8, you see that. Genesis 19, 1 to 11, you see that. There was also loss of his material wealth. You know, Lot lost everything. Everything that he acquired and he went to settle in the plains, he lost everything. And all that came from a bad decision that he made, which he thought was a good decision. Yeah? You know, and um, that's in Genesis 19 verse 15 to 16. And not just the fact that he lost his wealth, he also lost his wife. 
You remember the story of Lot's wife? You know, how costly can a man's decision be that one decision will make you lose everything you have? You know, and, and the Bible says that there is a way truly that seems right. But the end therefore is what? Is destruction. So, and I said on Wednesday that um, bad decisions are not known to be bad decisions until the ramification. You don't know bad decisions until you see the consequence of a bad decision. So, whilst you have made a decision, you, you must be careful to analyze your decision to be sure that you are not making a decision that you regret in the future. Glory to God. Um, so, it's important that we are led by the Spirit of God in making decisions. And the Word of God is our guide in making decisions. Praise God. So, not only did he lose his material possessions, he lost his wife because of a wrong, because of a bad decision that he made. Lot's wife looked back and then, you know the story. And there was also the shame of incest with his daughters. Now, Second Peter chapter 2 verse 7. Let me show you something there. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 7. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 7. Now, it says, And delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. Next verse. For that righteous man. Somebody say righteous man. Righteous man. Say it loud with me. Righteous man. Righteous man. For that righteous man dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. This is the point that I'm trying to make you see. That hmm, lots how do I put this now? Lot was righteous but did not mean he could not make a wrong decision. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, when I tell you that you are righteous in Christ, it doesn't, it, it doesn't mean all right, that the possibility of making a decision that will mock your righteousness is there. What I mean to say is that the believer must be led by the Spirit of God to make decisions. If our righteousness automatically guarantees you making right decisions without applying yourself to the word, then everybody is meant to show the same level of greatness. But because we don't see that in church, you see, there are a lot of believers who don't walk out, like he said, their salvation with fear and trembling. You must be able to work out what you have in. So that's why wisdom is necessary and critical for you as a believer. If not, there might be practically or experientially no difference between you and the unbeliever. Even though positionally you are not in the same place. So whilst you are sitting in the heavenly places positionally, your experience is still like an unbeliever because you are making the wrong decisions. So righteous Lord suffered. And that's the same way many righteous people are suffering today. Many people who are called believers, they can't articulate the wisdom of God for their lives to bring results and impact in life. So thereby they mock the faith. 
as if to say we charismatics or we Christians or we believers, all we know is to call on God whenever we are in trouble and then when our minds, our redemptive minds are meant to make major decisions, we leave it up to God to do it for us. And that's a problem in the body of Christ. I came here to say to you that you must be able to make sound decisions. Because you have the mind of Christ, and if you think like Christ, it should be that your mental analysis of problems and situations has to be guided by the way Christ will see things and do things. And you must be able to make sound decisions. There are many foolish Christians. And I say that not in any insultive way, but that's the fact. There are many Christians who are very foolish. And who are very simple. You know what I mean by simple? Simple in the sense that they, are, they haven't allowed the word of God form their thoughts. Now, salvation is in stages. When I mean stages, we have been saved. We are being saved. And we will be saved. Because man is a tripartite being. Yeah? Yeah, so... We have been saved. Who we are is who Christ is. There's no difference between who we are and who Christ is. Where Christ is is where we're seated. Are you still here? So that's not a process. That's an act. It's something that was done. It's an act. But we are being saved in that our minds are being renewed every day. So that we come into consciousness of what we already have in the act process of the already done salvation. Then we will be saved is what happens in the future. The glorification of our bodies. In that our body will be exchanged for the um, incorruptible. This corruptible body is going to be exchanged for the incorruptible body. So these are the levels of salvation. So Jesus who began has entered completely into rest, we are entering, we are laboring to enter into the rest that he has entered into. Do you understand that? Alright, so, I'm saying this because many believers are not renewing their minds, and because of that, there is no outworking of what has been worked in. You're righteous, but we're not seeing what is inside you. Now, uh, um, Paul prays in Philemon that the communication of your faith might be effectual by the acknowledging of everything that is inside of you. So if, if, you, don't, if you don't acknowledge what is inside of you, you can't communicate what is inside of you. So there is the need for acknowledging first what has been worked in. So somebody saying, Pastor Phil, what does this scripture mean? Walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. To walk out your salvation does not mean to get salvation for yourself. That's not what the scripture is saying. The scripture is saying that you work out your salvation, meaning that you allow what salvation has done in you come out. That's what it's saying. That you allow salvation be expressed in you. So when you say God is good, let people look around you and know God is good. When you say God is a wise God, let people see wisdom. You know what Proverbs call common sense? 
You know, uh, the Living Bible calls it common sense. Another version calls it discretion. When you say God is wise, let people see wisdom around you. So that's working out your salvation. Yeah, praise God. So not many believers are, are wise. And the reason is because we haven't really applied ourselves to the word of God. So Lot was righteous, but did not necessarily mean that he made the right decision. He was still foolish at some point in his life. And at some point, he began to make the right decisions. But he had lost everything that he had. Don't want to go back into that story. Amen. Praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor. Say, make wise decisions. Tell three people. Say, make wise decisions. What are the results of poor decisions? There are many results of poor decisions. There are many results of poor decisions. Yeah. Um, But I'm just going to highlight maybe two or three Whenever you see someone who is making poor decisions, there is something about his life or her life, you will notice inconsistencies. Someone who has made poor decisions, you will see inconsistencies. What do I mean by inconsistencies? These are basically contradictions. You know, inconsistency is when there are so many highs and so many lows. You know, so many highs and so many lows. And, 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 and one is not able to stay in the balance. Those are inconsistencies. So, poor decisions, one of the ways you mark someone who, who doesn't make correct decisions is inconsistencies. Right? It's just like the man who receives the word of God with joy. And when he gets the word of God, you know what I mean? He receives it with joy and there is no root so that that seed he has received is plucked away. It's plucked away. That's that's inconsistency. So whilst today you are praising God, you're, there is the expression of the word of God entering your heart and, and being found in your spirit. And then tomorrow when testings and trials come, you can't keep to the things that you said you will keep to. I mean, you, you, you can't. You even forget what God has promised you in the light. There's a song that says, Do not forget in the dark what you were told in the light. Meaning that when it's dark around you, you must always remember what he said when you saw the light. Praise God. So you must see. You must be able to see consistencies. Let me show you a scripture. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 5 to 9 we all know the scripture 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 5 to 9 so we're all going to look at what the living bible says it says but to obtain these gifts this is a scripture that says add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge you remember that scripture alright so this is what the living bible translates it uh, uh, so it says but to obtain these gifts you need more than faith you must also work hard to be good. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> and even that is not enough. For you then for then you must learn to know God better and discover what He wants you to do. Praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, Know God better and discover what He wants you to do. 
verse 6 says, Next, learn to put aside your own desires so that you will become patient and godly. Gladly letting God have his way with you. This will make possible the next step, which is for you to enjoy other people and to like them. And finally, you will grow to love them deeply. Isn't that wonderful? That's amazing. Says the more you go on in this way, the more you will grow strong spiritually and become fruitful and useful to our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, some people are not useful. Not because God doesn't want to use them, but they haven't made themselves useful. Because you haven't taken the journey of fruitfulness or productivity. Verse 9, it says, But anyone who fails to go after these additions to faith is blind indeed, or at least very short-sighted, and has forgotten that God delivered him from the old life of sin, so that now he can live a strong, good life for the Lord. Praise God. I mean, isn't that amazing? The second thing you might see in, in, in a life of poor decisions is compromise. Um, I put it this way, that poor decision will lead you into a journey of constant compromise. Poor decisions will lead you into a journey of constant compromise. When you make a wrong decision, you will continue to compromise and your compromise gets deeper by the day. If you've experienced what I'm saying, say yeah. yeah. It's the truth. You remember the story of the boy, the prodigal son? You remember his story? He made the wrong decision that was stead from impatience and then what happened? He spent all his money on riotous living and after a while he he became associated with the citizens of a foreign country which is a taboo against what the Jews believe. And then he became associated with pigs. And I said to you on Wednesday that pigs can never have anything to do with Jews or Jews don't have anything to do with pigs. In fact, it's a taboo to see a Jew with a pig. Jews don't eat pigs. Or they don't eat pork meat. But after a while, the boy began to feed swine, began to feed pigs. So I said that when wrong decisions journey and progress, they will take you into a place where you don't only find yourself associating with what you once called a taboo, but you will begin to sustain a wrong decision. Because the boy was feeding pigs. So you begin to fuel, you begin to sustain something that you never once believed in. So a wrong decision leads you into a journey of difficulty. But somebody can break out of that today. You know, there's some of us who have made wrong decisions in, in, in about, about your life, your careers, your, your spiritual life. And you can come out of it. You know, wrong decisions from addictions, you can break out of it. Say amen, somebody. You can break out of it. You can break out of it. Because Pastor Paul said something. He says, once you decide to do it, do it. Yeah. Another thing that poor decisions will do is 
failure and regrets. Have you ever heard people say when, if only I had the time to think about it before I decided, I wouldn't have done it that way. You know, then there is regret. But I like the boy, that boy, the boy who was lost, the lost son, he didn't stay in the place of regret. He picked up himself and he said, what's going on here? I mean, in my father's house, even the servants are way better than the way I look now. He made a decision to move on. And the boy went back home and picked up his life. I put down here moments in your life where you shouldn't make decisions hastily. Can I share them with you? Right. Um, the first one is impatience. You know, it's better to make decisions from the place of priority than urgency. Do you understand what I mean? You know, when things seem to come so much and the pressure is much on you, it's better to, if you can prioritize at that time, your decisions will likely be correct when priority is in view, not necessarily urgency. So that even if you make an urgent decision, let the urgent decision be from the place of priority still. Is that okay? Am I helping someone this evening? Alright, so impatience is something that will um, that will um, put you in a setback if you're, if you're not careful. You, you must learn how to be a patient person. I've seen a lot of impatient people. You know, they just want it now. They want it done now. They just, they don't want, they can't wait. They can't even wait for their wives. They can't even wait for food to be done. They just start eating from the pot. <laughs> you know, have you seen impatient people before? <laughs> impatient people are interesting to watch. Just sit down and watch them. You know, as they're here, they're trying to tie their shoe. They will take one step, tie the other one. They, you know, they can't, they can't settle down to do anything. You see, if you make decisions from the place of impatience or when you're not patient with people and you make a decision on someone, you can be wrong. Because there is more to meet the eyes in people. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you must learn to be a patient person. You must be patient to making great decisions. Look at your neighbors and be patient. Tell somebody else, learn to be patient. Yeah, learn to be patient. You must be a patient person. I hope you know, like I said on Wednesday, patience is not the same thing as delay. Delay is... There are roadblocks that meet a prepared person. But patience is the person is going through preparation so he needs to get done for himself before he sets out on the adventure. Like the the, the prodigal son or the, the lost son, it was about a prepared blessing for an unprepared son. That's the story of the prodigal son. The boy was not prepared. And many of you want to launch out without preparation. You're going to make the wrong decisions. In fact, where you are right now probably is the time to learn, sit down and humble yourself so that you can stay 
tutored and mentored by people before you do what you're, you're meant to do. So if you do something at the wrong time, you will likely make a wrong decision. You know, they, they, and there are also some people who don't think they need preparation. They just think they are ready. I'm ready. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm ready. <laughs> Do you know that doesn't make sense? Because the Bible says that even Jesus waited for the, sh- he waited for the appointed time. He was savior of the world. At the age of five, he didn't come and, twelve, where have you been Jesus? Don't you know I've been discussing with the teachers of the law? And the moment Jesus answered all their questions, I'm ready to die. No. (laughs) At the age of 12. He wasn't ready to die at the age of 12. John the Baptist waited until the fullness of time. You must learn to wait. I didn't just get here today. It's been a journey of tutoring and teaching and mentoring. That you get to where you're meant to get to. So in any endeavor you find yourself in, there is a skill to what you're you're doing. There is an art to what you do. There is the craft to what you do. And even in the law of the spirit, there is a place where you have to learn how to wait on God for you to be tutored and properly matured and thoroughly furnished for every good work. So you must learn how to be patient. Praise God. If you get angry in the process and you don't want to be patient, you will miss it. Because the worst thing that can happen to a man is for him to come to opportunity and he's not prepared. That's, 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 That's a disaster. That's a disaster when your stage appears and your stage has come and you can't perform because you're not prepared. Many people are looking for the stage and don't want to go through the preparation. Many people don't know how to sit down, but they want to be up to be seen. They want to be up to showcase and to shine. But you see, before you shine, you must sit. Is that correct? So you must learn how to be patient. Tell one more person again, learn how to be patient. I hope you know to make a very nice food. It takes patience, mama faith, isn't it? Praise God. To make, to make the right food, you have to learn how to be patient. Right? You, you must be patient. You must work it. And then you begin to perceive the aroma from the room. And then mama is making some good soup. Amen. Praise God. Look at your neighbor say, you need patience. The Bible says, be followers of them who through faith and patience obtain the promise. Don't say you have faith alone and then you're not patient. You must be patient to go through the fire so that you become a mighty bow that the Father can use and throw his arrows. You must be patient. Glory to God. Some of you are not patient to be under tutors and you're not patient to be under people who will lead you and who would instruct you. And the reason why you would not stay is because you want to do things your way. Am I preaching here? Another bad time to make decision is when you are angry. Look, don't make hasty decisions when you are angry. In fact, don't make decisions out of anger. 
Because if you do that, you will truncate the plan of God for your life. In fact, you can lose everything in a moment of anger. So you must be careful about, about your emotions when you're making. Don't let your emotions lead you into decision making. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me show you something in Proverbs 14 verse 29. Um, let's, see. let's see the message version. I mean, sorry, the Living Bible. I love the Living Bible. Proverbs 14 verse 29. It says, A wise man controls his temper. He knows that anger causes mistakes. Have you seen that before? What does the King James say? What does the King James say? It says, I want to see what the King James says. I want to see what uh, the message version says. I can't wait to hear what the message version says. It says, he who is slow to wrath has great understanding. But he who is impulsive exalts fully. Have you seen impulsive fellows? You're impulsive meaning that everything makes you react. Everything causes a reaction. If you make a decision like that, you can sell your business without knowing. You can, you can, you can twist your life that will take you 10 years to get out of. Just one wrong impulsive decision. Praise God. Let's see what the message version says. It says, slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. A quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity. I know the message version will be crazy. <laughs> Say stockpiles stupidity. Look at the neighbor. Say, don't be impulsive. Don't be. Don't be. Don't be. Don't be rash. To don't. Don't. Because if you are that kind of person, you are not in control. Actually, in the B to trying to say you want to control things, it's actually things controlling you. If you are that way. So you, you can't make you can't afford to make decisions when you're when you're angry or when you're upset. You must learn to calm down. Is that correct? You must learn to relax, calm down before you speak. In fact, some of you should not talk when you're angry. Some of you should just keep quiet when you're angry. At least it's open enough to say he's the one. Some of you should just hush when you're upset so that you don't say what you're not supposed to say. Because there is every justification to say what you want to say at that time. But the moment you let that thing pass, you'll realize that, okay, I'm happy I didn't say it. Do you understand? Or I'm happy I didn't act. I'm happy I didn't do what I... Praise God. Number three, you will likely make wrong decisions when you have few counselors. When you have few counselors. When you have few people who counsel you, you will likely make wrong decisions. Um, Proverbs chapter 9 from verse 7 to 9. Of course, let's see the Living Bible again. Proverbs chapter 9 from verse 7 to 9. Let's read together, everybody. Are you ready? All right, it says, If you rebuke a mocker, 
you will only get a smart retort. Yes, he will snarl. That's when you rebuke someone who is a mocker. He has, he has the right word to reply you. Don't hear this message thinking about somebody else. Can I warn you? Can I warn you? Can I warn you? Alright, please. Don't hear this message thinking about your neighbor. I, I hope he's hearing. No, 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 no. You hear. You hear because everybody is everybody is in this is somewhat in this place. There's some of you who don't like to be corrected. If I correct you, I won't see you in church again. I'm experiencing that now. If I correct you, you will not come to church. If I if I rebuke you, you will say, Oh, the pastor is harsh at me, and then it's better to just stay away. That's a mocker. Verse 8. So don't bother with him. This is, this is the man who is giving counsel or wisdom. He says, don't bother with him. He will only hate you for trying to help him. But a wise man, when rebuked, will love you all the more. Next verse. Teach a wise man, and he will be the wiser. Teach a good man, and he will learn more. Somebody say, I'm wise. Say that loud. Say, I'm wise. You must surround yourself with good counselors. People who would offer you good counseling. Alright? The Bible says that the multitude of what? Counsel. There is safety. Number four. You will likely make a wrong decision when you have an unguarded heart. An unguarded heart. If your heart is not... You know the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of life. If you, if you don't guard your heart you will likely make wrong decisions. So you must protect your heart. You must guard your heart. Let's see the scripture. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. Of course the living Bible. (laughs) It says, Above all else, guard your affections for they influence everything else in your life. This is the scripture that says, Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of life. He says, guard your affections. Protect your affections. Because your, your, your affections from your heart will influence everything else in your life. <laughs> Pastor Victor said something to me one day. And he said, I, I don't know if you remember this, the man of God. I think it was back then in Kano. He said, a man who has a broken heart. Yeah, when you are in emotional crisis, it can wreck your spiritual life. That's what he said. So you must learn how to guard your affections. What are the things that you have affections for? You see, where the heart of a man is, that's where his treasure is. If you love business more than God, it will influence your decisions when it comes to having, making a decision between kingdom things and non-kingdom things. And that's where you see the inconsistencies that I'm talking about. If your affections are on things and not on God, if your affections are, if you have more of a love for things, you have, you have a broken affection. You have a divided attention. Like Pastor Paul said, that you are a man with options and choices. So you are lead, there, there are so many things for you to lean on. Do you know, I don't have options. I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor. 
even when I was actively practicing in UBTH, I still did not have options because I didn't put my full weight on my practice. But many of you are putting your full weight. In fact, it's better to even lean at least than to put your full weight. So move from leaning, move from putting your full weight into having no options at all. Praise God. Let God be your full option. Okay? Let everything about the kingdom be your full option. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. If I place money here and I place the things of God here, which one would you by default run after? To be, to be very honest. To be very honest. That's because your affection is on money. Your affection is on your... Some of you are more ambitious and you use God to fuel your ambition. In fact, God is the one that is used to do it for you. Meanwhile, he's meant to be the object of your affection. Do you understand what I'm saying? So God should be the object of your affection. He's the person in which my full weight is on. That's, that's, that should be where you come to. In, that should be the place where you should be at now. That your responses, your responses, your natural default responses will be on the things of God first. That if you hear things of God first, you respond to that first before something else. And I hope you know it's, it's easy to say amen about this. When you get out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's when we really know what you believe. Glory to God. Set your affection on the things of God. You must guard your heart. You must guard your affection. You must learn how to train your heart. Yeah. Because the heart is like, it's like, it's like the soil that will grow weed naturally. I hope you know there's a difference between when weed grows and when you plant. It's not the same thing. When you plant, there is more deliberateness to planting than weed growing out. Weed grows out when you don't do anything. So you don't have to do anything for weed to grow. Now, let me, let me tell you. If you leave your heart the way it is, it will grow weed. So what does it mean? You have to constantly irrigate your heart. I'm, doing a, I'm, I'm working on a series called Catheter. You've heard of a catheter before. Okay, I'll talk to you about that some other time. But it has to be a constant irrigation of your heart. It's, it's active because if you leave your heart, it will, your heart will readily embrace the things you know, it seemed to have known before. Now, now, when I mean your heart, I mean your mind because it's open. It's a neutral ground. Okay. Um, when the Bible says the heart of a man is desperately wicked, that's not you. That's not you because you're born again. For I will give to them a new heart. Do you understand it? So you have a new heart. You're saved. You're born again. You don't have the wicked old heart that you used to have before. But there is the old way of doing things that your mind is used to. It's like an old password 
that if you have a new phone and there is a new password to the phone, when you want to put in the password, you, you type in the old password mistakenly. So you need to always train your heart. You need to always cultivate your heart so that your heart is on the right path all the time. Because if you don't guard your heart, you can develop hatred for someone without knowing. Do you know that? If you don't guard your heart, you can come into a place of um, lukewarmness of the things of God and you don't even know it yet. If you don't guard your heart. So every time there is a need for you to wake up and to check what's the state of my heart, what's the state of my mind. Where am I spiritually? And then you need to make advance all the time. Praise God. Another time to make, if you make wrong decisions, it's likely when you're also vulnerable. Yeah. Of course, you know, we all get vulnerable. We all do. And you don't want to make decisions at the point where you're vulnerable because if you do that, if you're not, if you're, you see, to be vulnerable means for you not to properly see yourself at that place. You are open to harm and you are, you, you are exposed to harm and you are exposed to being broken down and being beaten or being attacked. That's being vulnerable. But when you get out of being vulnerable, how do you do that? When you see yourself correctly, when you remember who you are in Christ, at that point you cease to be vulnerable, regardless of how you feel. Well, this is good. Can I say that again? I feel you didn't get what I said. Um, When you come to the place where you see who you are in Christ, regardless of how you feel, you just stepped out of being vulnerable. How many of you have heard of the story of Joab and David before? Let, let me read that scripture, the King James Version. Um, 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 4. 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 4. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap up very soon. And David and all Israel went to Jerusalem. Now David was king of Judah. Yeah? And um, Ishbosheth was king of Israel at the time. So Israel and Judah had not come together. There were two kings, all right? Um, there was Israel who had Ishbosheth as king, and there was Judah that had um, David as king. Now, David was king over Judah, and see what the scripture says. And David and all Israel went to Jerusalem, which is Jabus, where the Jebusites were the inhabitants of the land. Next verse. But the inhabitants of Jebus said to David, you shall not come in here. That means there was restriction. There was war between them. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. That is the city of David. Next verse. Now David said, see, this is a place of vulnerability. Because David was under attack. And he couldn't, he couldn't stand up against his enemies. So he looked back at his troop, back at the people who were with him, some of his army officers, and made a public statement and said to them that whoever attacks the Jebusites first shall be chief and captain. That's a vulnerable statement. 
don't know if you see what I'm saying. I, I hope you see what I'm saying. You know, see, do you know what it means to be chief and captain of your army as the king? It means the person must have gone through training and must qualify for the position. But you gave that position to chance to saying that even if someone killed the enemy by fluke, the person has come to the place of chief and captain. So David made a vulnerable statement because he was under attack. And the Bible says, and Joab, the son of Zeruiah, went up first and became chief. Now, if you read further down, you will see who Joab was. Joab was the man who gave David issues in the future. And he suffered from the consequence of a wrong decision because he was under attack by saying, anybody who kills the Jebusite will become chief and captain. See, never make decisions when you're vulnerable. Always see yourself, this is who I am in Christ, and make sound decisions that are guarded by your minded Christ or your Christ-mindedness. Praise God. In fact, when Solomon became king, David said to Solomon, um, before I die, there is one thing I want you to do. Kill Joab. Before I die, he gave him an advice. Because Joab killed Abner. Yeah? And Joab was the, was the person who instructed the execution of Absalom. Even though David was king and Absalom his son was attacking his father, but he still had fatherly love for his son. So David instructed, nobody should kill Absalom. But Joab took laws into his hands and he killed, disregarding the authority and the counsel of the king. And he, so he gave David issues. And that, that man who got to the place of chief and captain was from the place of vulnerability. Never make a decision when you're vulnerable. Glory to God. I'm going to run through moments where you ought to make the best decisions and moments that will position in you to making the best. Can I run through that for you? All right. The first one is the best decisions are made when you uphold the fear of the Lord. Write it down. Please write it down. See, this is the beginning of the best decisions in your life. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. You know, my mother used to say to me back then that we must all grow up in the fear of God. And there used to be a song that we sang back then as children. Let's grow in the fear of the Lord. You know, when you have the fear of God, there are certain things that you will not do. See, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That if you want to begin this adventure of what wisdom is, that is the fear of God that starts you into the journey of wisdom. The fear of God. There are many people in church who don't fear God. Now, don't get me wrong. The fear of God is not being afraid of God. You're in TSP, you must know that by now. The fear of God is not the same thing as being afraid of God. Being afraid of God is the, is the product of wrong teaching and condemnation and guilt. You feel God is angry with you, so you are afraid of God. Uh, th that's not the fear of God. 
That's being afraid of God. So you, you come to church and the first thing you are thinking about is you just know first your prayers will not be answered. But the moment the pastor says, hold the hand of your neighbor, say, thank God I'm holding his hands. At least this one will help me increase my faith. That's what we call weak conscience. Weak to, to the man who has weak conscience, everything is wrong. To the one who has a seared conscience, nothing is wrong at all. But the one who has good conscience is the one who can distinguish between good and evil. So the fear of God, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If you have the fear of God, there are some things you will not say. Have you heard some people talk and you just know there is no fear of God in their hearts? There's a way you will be if you have the fear of God. Say amen. Amen. Let me show you a few scriptures. Um, Proverbs chapter 14 verse 27. Josh, do you have the living Bible on this? No. Okay, let's, let's see. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is what? Is understanding. Let's see what the next verse says. Okay, no, that's not the scripture I called for. But you can write this one down though. Thank you, Josh. Proverbs 14 verse 27. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 27. It says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. How many of you want to experience life in your life? I mean, you know what life is? Life is Zoe. Life is, is the life that is abundant in quantity and expensive in quality. That's the Zoe life. Glory to God. It says, the fear of the Lord is this kind of life. To turn one away from the snares of death. Hallelujah. Let me show you another scripture. Isaiah chapter 33 verse 6. Isaiah 33 verse 6. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. I want you to say this with me. The fear of the Lord is my treasure. Please say it till it sinks deep in your heart. I have to round up now. Say it one more time. The fear of the Lord is my treasure. Amen. Don't be afraid of the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 15 verse 33. Verse 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is what? Is humility. Uh, how many of you want to see honor today? You want to see honor today, tomorrow? Swing your hands if you want to see honor. You know the roadmap to honor? What is it? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due season he will what? He will exalt you. If you want to go far in life, be humble. If you want to go far in life, be humble. Be humble to the fault, to a fault where, uh, you see, humble is a disposition towards God. It's not, it's not a show. It's not, it's not the way your face is. Humility is not about what you wear. And it's not about how much you have. Because I've seen 
proud poor people. I was walking on the street one day and then I attempted to help a poor man. And the man threw back my help right at my face. And I said to myself, maybe that's why he's poor. Some people are poor and you don't see the measure of you don't see the measure of pride because they have no money. The moment they become rich, that's when you see how proud they will be and they can be. So humility is not about how your face is or how you walk. You walk so piously and then everyone thinks that you're humble. You're, you're, that's not humility. Humility is a, is, a, is a disposition of the heart. It's a disposition of the heart. Humility is, your, is the ability to say God comes first before the way I think. Yes, sir. That's humility. Humility is the point where a little child that is speaking the word of God can instruct you. That's humility. Do you know what it means for the creator to allow the created kill on the cross? Do you know what that means? The Bible says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation? That is Jesus who was in the form of glory came down and said, I am nothing and I want to be used by God. That's humility. If people can see that there is, oh glory to God, Shidaba. If people can see that there is nothing about their life that God cannot touch, they, they probably will be more humble than they are. Yes, sir. Amen. So, humility comes before honor. The best decisions are made, number two, when it is inspired by the word of God. Write that down. It's inspired by the word of God. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. Second Timothy chapter 3, from verse 16 to 17. This is all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Right? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Psalms chapter 119, verse 11. Psalms 119, verse 11. Psalms 119, verse 11. Do we have that on the message? Okay, that's fine. Are we there? This is, this is what David says. This is your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Uh, Josh, we don't have this on the living, living Bible. Okay, we don't. Now, when the word of God is your authority, is it the word of God guides your actions? That's why David says, your word have I stored up in my heart that I will not behave contrary to your word. Praise God. So let the word of God be your utmost inspiration. Number three, the best decisions are made when you act never in your own understanding. Of course, we read this scripture already. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge Him. You know, if, if we actually do that, if we, if we do that and not just memorize the song, 
Because when you say trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, the first thing you think about is the song. But if you think about acknowledging Him in all your ways, do we all do we do that? Let's be honest. Do you acknowledge God in all your ways? But you're going to make the best decision if you acknowledge God in all your ways. Number four, when you make the best decisions, it's because you've prayed about it. Have time to pray about it. Look at your neighbor and say, pray about it. Tell somebody else, say, pray about it. James chapter 1 verse 5. James chapter 1 verse 5. James chapter 1 verse 5. I remember those two girls who said pray about it. Those two American small babies. What are their names? Huh? Yeah, say pray about it. Pray. Oh my God. What number are we? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him what? Ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. Look at your neighbor say learn to pray about it. Pray about it. Don't, don't think you know how to do it by yourself. Learn to pray about it. Just pray about it. See, I can assure you, the moment you pray about it, something will drop in your spirit. You will just somehow know what to do and what not to do. If you don't get it, stay in prayers until you get direction. Pray about it. Do you know most times we don't pray about decisions? And we run for answers to giving we run for answers for our questions, but we don't pray about decisions. Two more. Number five, seek godly counsel. Okay? If you're going to make the right decision, you should do what? Seek godly counsel. In the multitude of counsel, there's what? Safety. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. Do we have the living Bible on this? Are you sure about that? Let's see that. Proverbs 11 verse 14. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 15. Let's see that. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he who heeds counsel is what? Is wise. All right. Okay, we have the Living Bible. A fool thinks he needs no advice, but a wise man listens to others. Someone say, I'm a wise man. Do you have 1114? You don't have it. Okay, that's fine. Look at your neighbor and say, learn to listen to others. Last one, number six, then I'll give the conclusion. Analyze your motivation. Analyze your motivation before you make decisions. Are you doing this thing because you, you want to show? Or are you doing it inspired by love? Are you serving because you just want to put a show up? Or are you serving because it's inspired by love? Psalms chapter 139 verse 23 to 24. Psalms 139 verse 23 to 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 1. Psalms 139 23 to 24. 1 Corinthians 13 you know, from verse 1 down. But let's pick only one scripture here. Let's see the message of uh, the Living Bible, Psalms 119, verse 36. Psalms 119, 
Psalms 119 verse 36. It says, are you there? Okay, it says, help me to prefer obedience to making money. Analyze your motivation. (laughs) This is a real prayer, guys. Say, Lord, help me. Because by default, I know what my affections will go after. The Living Bible says, help me to prefer obedience to making money. In conclusion, the journey of a good decision may start from a struggle, but ultimately will lead you to a celebration. Can I say that again? The journey of a good decision will start from a struggle, but it will lead you into what? A celebration. You remember the boy, the prodigal son, he picked up himself and it was very tough. It was a tough decision to make from nothing, but he had to go back to something. It would eventually lead you to celebration. Let me also put it this way, that good decisions will start you from humility, but it will end you in glory. See, many of you just need to humble yourself and make the right decision and suffer the shame of the embarrassment that might cause you learning now. But guess what? Tomorrow you're heading to glory. Okay? I'm done. Amen. So. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.